0: Back to the habit. People killed each other. It was amazing. In a more formal introduction, we had to read. Um, The flood burst. And the last stage. Nope, not the last stage. The last stage is next week. The return journey.
1: Yeah, the return (laughs) journey. Man, I have like a love-hate relationship with these chapters like they're good like the battle and stuff is good and I just you know 12 year old me reading this and finding out that like Thor and Philly and Killy all die I'm just like I know. like Thor and I can understand but why did they have to kill off Philly and Killy? like come on
0: like the part that makes me the most mad is that It's like kinda epically written. It's like Yes. It's like of course they died because they were like Philly and Killy had fallen defending him with shield and body for he was their mother's elder brother. I'm like, this is so so sweet. It's so sweet. But it's hurts so fucking much.
1: Ah I also like just hate the fact that like Bilbo got knocked unconscious for half the battle and I just like I love Tolkien but I just feel like it was very lazy writing it's like oh I don't want to write the second half of the battle let's just knock him out and I don't have to yeah yeah
0: it do be be like that you do feel like that (laughs) yeah but I mean at the same time I kind of like he got knocked out, in the sense that, um, I don't know how, like, how it would have looked, because, like, I don't know how Bilbo would have thought. and also I think is this idea, like, because if I'm not mistaken, except for the spiders, Bilbo hasn't killed, right? But the spiders are easy to kill, because the spiders right, like mentally, you know, but goblins, even if like, yes, they are goblins, they're also like, more humanoid, and like, I can't imagine Bilbo in the heart of a battle, and being
1: okay, in a way, yeah, Um, that's, I didn't think of that, I like that,
0: but yeah, it, it sounds like... Oh no! What a tragedy! You passed out. <laughs> I don't have to write anything anymore because it's your point of view, right? Well,
1: will just like Gandalf sum it all up when he when he regains consciousness.
0: Yeah. No, the one that like kind of like stuck me is the line when he's like he realized that uh, if he hadn't come to consciousness, he would have never been found, and yep. Thorin would have died. Without making amends. Which, I mean, knowing Thorin, he might have just refused to die just to make amends before he dies. But you never know, right? Um, sometimes nature is stronger than stubbornness. Um, so, yeah. But yeah. Interesting chapters. It's an interesting way to write a battle, right? Mm-hmm. I think... I'm not sure, but um, it's been a while since I read The um, Two Towers, but I think the Battle of Helm's Deep gave me the same feeling. Like, no one passes out. I I will give them that, because the story got to Frodo and Sam through Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli, who did not pass out. Very much not um, pass out. But this... um, feeling of underwriting like less epic like we, we even had a discussion about how the the battle of hems deep deep feels more epic in the movies than it does in the book and i think it's maybe Tolkien doesn't know how to write good battles i don't
1: know it's um, just like a little less climactic than yeah. expected because it is a battle so it's supposed to be you know big and glorious but like com- compared to like writing i think just in general, it's hard to yeah. write good battles.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, like, the thing is that it, he writes several battles over his legendary, right? He has this, this particular interest in But, like, uh, I think, like, one way to make a battle interesting literat- in, in literature um, is like, it's a bit like, uh, I had seen once a video explaining how in, uh, either when you write or, like, a movie or, like, a text or anything, when you write a story, even when your characters are fighting, it must move the story forward, and that's why, for mm-hmm. example, like, they were t- telling, like, in, which one was it? They took the example of, um... The Return of the Sith, I think, like, the number three of the Star Wars, where there's, like, long scenes of battles, and, like, the script just says they fight. And that's not a good battle scene, because it doesn't push anything forward. Like, the characters are not evolving, uh, like, there's no, no other things than a fight. It's just aesthetic, right? But um, to make a battle interesting, you have to basically make it linked to the plot, and how like either by like going back to like the characters and like seeing like how they react to the battle or like how they act in the battle um, or by like putting the battle in perspective of the greater world or like indicating that it's not only like Joe and Jai like are like hitting each other on the head, right? It's more than that, right? like, I'm gonna do fanfiction because, like, fanfiction is is what I go to, but, like, uh, one of my favorite fanfic, uh, there are battle scenes and, like, sometimes for training, so it's between friends and sometimes it's, like, between enemies, but, like, the way it's written, it's very clear that it tells things about the characters, like how they are in control of the technique, like they know what to do, they have a sharp mind. They have been in battle a lot. They they've lived down one on one a lot. And like um like sometime like depending on where they are, like the, the environment will influence how they how they have to, 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 to fight, right? And so it's it's really hard I find, I think, to write battle scenes. Or like combat scenes, because like it's more than just saying they fought and that's how they fought. It's like, why did they fight and what did it say <laughs> about them, like the ways they chose
1: to fight, right? I mean, I'm just thinking of like Shakespeare and like, you know, when you're reading Shakespeare plays and it gets to like, you know, they're rising, they're gonna fight, and then it's just like, he stabs like in the brackets and then like, and then it just carries on and that's it because like, you know, they're supposed to choreograph the whole fight, like on stage but I just find it's so funny, just he stabs. Oh, that's it, it's over.
0: I mean, sometimes you have nothing else to do. You stab well and not 20 and everyone's dead, you know? Uh, But yeah, it's, it's, it's it's a, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if, like, Tolkien ever, like, felt comfortable writing battle scenes. Um, but to be fair, I think that The Hobbit was the first time he published a battle scene.
1: So yeah. So,
0: maybe it's the first time he wrote one. Maybe not, but, you know, uh, that also... And also, you have to take into account, that like, he also wrote it for children, right? So, like, there's so much of a battle scene that the children will be interested in. Um... And I find that um, the main character being knocked out, like in the middle of the battle, after seeing like the great, like the eagles, and like, yeah, the eagles are here, we're good, and then boom, knocked out. It's it's funny, right? It's like after like the oh, will they, won't they? Like will they succeed? Will they die? Like uh, there's a bit of hope, but you don't see it fully realized, and you have a, mo- a funny moment of people being knocked out. But yeah, um, don't have much more to say about the battles except that, um, apparently there's a discussion on, uh, like the notes of the thing are like mentioning how, uh, depending on, like, that here in the Hobbit. The five armies are elfmen, dwarves, goblin and wolves. But in yeah. the ranking bats animated TV program, it's elf, um, elfmen, dwarves, goblin and eagles. And I was like I, I always had like I didn't know but I had always thought of the five armies as the ranking past five armies. Um uh, yeah.
1: I think if you like just generally Google it too, I think it pops up as the Eagles and not wolves, because I generally think of the Eagles as like the fifth army yeah
0: I mean to be fair, the way it's described they come as an army, right it's described as they had assembled um, a
1: host or something mhm um.
0: Yeah, so eagles were coming down in the wind, line after line, in such a host as must have gathered from all the Eries in the north. So, I can understand the confusion. Um, arguably, it's actually battle of six armies. But, uh, you know, you know. <laughs> Apparently, we're not going there, so.
1: And I guess, too, we, I think, like... Because the goblins I feel like control the wolves more so mm. like do, like I guess thinking of them as two separate armies I guess I, get, I don't think of that because I feel like the goblins control them more I don't know uh,
0: I think like based on like the chapter where like they, like they have like a predicament with the wolf they seem to be mm-hmm. more separate where like but allies But I think the mistake would come, in my opinion, from the fact that the goblins ride the wolves, and uh, none of the elves or men or dwarves ride each other, as far as we know of. (laughs) 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 Sorry for everyone who thought I would not make a joke like that, but I had to. Anyway, my job here is done. at least not in battle. Um...
1: I think too, like the Peter Jackson movies portray, like that the goblins and wolves as like one army, and then the eagles as the fifth. So I think that's kind of too what I'm picturing in my head. Yeah.
0: I think Tolkien had like this really epic name of Five Armies and then he like couldn't choose which one it was and he confused everyone with that. He, he could have changed the name to Six Armies but then he was like, it doesn't sound as well. It's good. And so he was like, you know, the same way he chose to put Gondolin just because Goblin Wars in Gondolin sounded good. I think he chose Five Armies because it sounded good. And then he was like, wait, <laughs> if you count it like that, you have six. But, yeah. I'm going to make an argument to say that the elves and men should be counted as one army. And then the dwarves, the goblins, the wolf, like the wolves, and the... No, I'm joking. That's
1: not really true. but But yeah
0: I mean I understand now how it was um, complicated to adapt the end part of the habit because like you don't want to fully cut it off because due to the battle of the farm army big things happen like Thorin dies and Killy and Philly die too which Tragedy. You could absolutely do like a fanfic movie where it just don't die and you don't talk about it. Um, So like you can't just like brush it under the rug and forget about it. A bit like the book is doing. (laughs) But at the same time, a full three hours movie is too long. I'm sorry, Peter Jackson. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) And it really feels incomplete and like one of my main critic of like the trilogy adaptation is that the build-up to the dragon and for two movies and then the dragon dying in like five minutes in the beginning of the flood movie is such a letdown and true it's at least true to the habit the form of the habit in the book because it's kind of the same it's like the dragons and then it's like we don't know where he is, but we're gonna chill in his gold. Everything's fine. Oh, the bird are telling us that the, the the dragon's dead, right? Um. So yeah, it's true to the form, but arguably, I would say my argument would be that if the books, if the book doesn't do something like that is narratively satisfying for particularly for a movie format. Because, like, for a book format, you can pass over it because, like, it's a children's book, so, like, arguably, you would be, like, you read it chapter by chapter, or, like, we did two chapters by two chapters. So, it's, like, it's less jarring, the fact that, oh, there was a dragon this whole time, and now there's no dragon, right? You, so, like, arguably, with the literature aspect, you could, like, I didn't feel it as much, but in a movie, you don't have a choice. In a movie, you're not just gonna like watch five minutes and then five other minutes and five other minutes. You're gonna just watch a whole three hours. So you have to adapt that too. You have to adapt the fact that it's not satisfying for a movie format and that you have to find a way to either make it satisfying
1: or like
0: like to find another way, you, you have to maybe move away a bit from the, the source material. Which you already did it because you did three movies for like a ridiculously small book. So, might as well you added stuff. Keep going. <laughs> I don't know. Add an epic battle with a... Make it the five armies with a dragon in the middle. Like, I don't know. That'd be epic.
1: Yeah, no. I, I agree.
0: Oh <laughs> yeah. So... But at the same time, yeah. Like, how do you do the five battle of the five armies? Like, do you do like a cat and ellipses? Technically, I can see it walking. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I mean, at the same time, um, I don't know. I I can also hear the fanboys screaming in the, the distance that they didn't get the battle because people got knocked out. So. There's no there's no <laughs> right way. There's no right way. But yeah. Um Also I have to show you that because it's hilarious. I have a picture of the Battle of the Five Armies. And it's an absolute mess.
1: Oh my god. I like the bat, that looks really cool.
0: Yep. Oh yeah, I had to say something about the bats. What the fuck, Tolkien? Like, I know Dracula, like, started with this trend of, like, bats are evil, but, like, rude. Bats are cute. Huh. They wouldn't help goblins like that.
1: Do you not remember, like, all, like, the Baron and Lucian chapter of Silmarillion and his, like, hatred towards bats?
0: I don't want to remember. It's it's anti bad propaganda, like <laughs> really.
1: I love how like the Hobbit's a children's book, but then he also like specifically said that the vampires like drink the blood of like the fle- the freshly dead soldiers. It's like that's nice,
0: you know. You have to scare them into sleeping, eventually. <laughs> yeah, that's my only comment about the bats. Um, and except maybe, arguably, is that a seventh army, God Tolkien? We don't know.
1: Yeah. See, that's and like that's what I was thinking too. Because if he's distinguishing the wolves, why not distinguish the bats? Yeah. Or I guess like the wolves are more conscious than the bats. <laughs>
0: I mean, we could even make the argument that, like, the birds being messenger make them part of the war, you know, <laughs> you're just gonna get, like, to battle the battle to tenorities, you know, like, before <laughs> you yeah. <probably> know it. <laughs> um, I think, um, yeah, I love confusion about this battle. I think it's based on a lot of, like, the children won't mind, they won't notice. Uh, <laughs> who will read this book anyway? Um.
1: Um.
0: Yeah, I forgot about that already because we were talking about the battle, but it actually starts with uh, more negotiation.
1: <laughs> oh, right, yes. And a
0: battle between, and like, a a a discussion heated discussion between uh, Bilbo and Thorin, who is not happy about his burglar being efficient. <laughs>
1: um. But what
0: I like is that after the battle, when, like, everyone, everything settled down and they, like, figure out what to do with the gold and stuff, the things that stay on is that one-fourth of the treasure will still go to the the men based on the agreement they made that Bilbo's share of the treasure will go to the men. Mm Mm-hmm which I found that super cool because I'm just out of my treaty class. And that's basically, (laughs) that sounds so indigenous to me. It's great where it's like, because, uh, one of the main, um, like one of the big arguments in like treaty, particularly the numbered treaty is that, uh, for indigenous people, what is part of the treaty is everything that's been mentioned in the negotiation. But for British and Canadian and Western law, everything that is written down is part of the treaty. Um, so there are some ca- court cases in which basically indigenous people from some treaty came to the government of Canada and were like, hey, you can't do that. You promised us you wouldn't. And like it's in the treaty we signed with you. And then they look at the treaty, and the treaty has nothing in it, and they look at the negotiation notes taken by the secretary, and they find what has been promised. And one of the examples is um, in Treaty 8 and 6 and 3, I think, they had been promised that they would not be sent to fight the wars of the queen, or like the, the, the crown, basically. Um... And in World War I, when the conscription in, 17, in 1917, when conscription was enforced, indigenous group from Treaty 6 and 3 came to the government in the NFL and said, uh, no, you promised us in the treaty, we wouldn't have to fight your wars. And like, it was not in the actual treaty and the treaty commissioner who had signed it uh, had died so they could not ask him but they went into the secretary's note and it was in the secretary's notes. so they decided that based on that uh, instead of being like only in treaty six and three they were like all status indian are not to be conscripted for the war effort i mean they didn't do it in say in world war Two because the government's flick- flickering all the time but like you know, like, the fact that it was an oral promise made by the treaty commissioner Morris to indigenous groups was taken into consideration, and, like, it was considered a treaty, it was considered part of the treaty for indigenous people. And that's where my point is. And here, like, they didn't write anything down. They didn't write down, like, Bilbo's 14th of the gold will be given to the men of uh, Dale and Esgaroth. They never did that but the fact that they said it and agreed on it made it a deal actually more a deal than the contract he signed because they relinquished the contract and say we're not taking our share of the treasure except for people's share that has been given to some human
1: because he did show the contract to the elf king and bard so that kind of showed that he had that like legitimate claim to the Stone, but then they technically like ransomed the Stone for his actual gold share so i guess technically it would come back down to like the con the written contract yeah
0: yeah i mean like i mean that's what they're in question the contract is a uh, dwarfs share of the treasure um, right because uh, I think it's mentioned at the end of and uh, like somewhere in return journey that um, yeah there was of course no longer any question of dividing the hold in such share had as had been planned. Uh, to all the dwarves or Bilbo, get a 14th share of all the silver and gold rotten and Rod was given to Bard. For Dain said, we will honor the agreement of the dead, and he has no He has now the Arkenstone in his giving. So I think it's because, like, they relinquished the contract based on which Bilbo laid claim on the Arkenstone.
1: But mm-hmm. the
0: second deal was, like, the Arkenstone is going to be paid for with a 14th of the treasure. And so like, even though it derives from Bilbo's contract with the dwarves, it's not exactly part of it. And that's why they can drop one. I've been doing too much legal shit. Anyway, <laughs> That they can drop one and still have the other that is in effect, because like, it doesn't say, like we, we give the Arkenstone back for Bilbo's share of the treasure. It says for a 14th of the treasure yeah i'm ready for law school anyway (laughs) i'm not i never go there go back to hell first um
1: going off of like the gold and like the agreements and stuff uh the last book study i was at sophia and i had like a really long discussion on like the politics of lake town and just the fact that bard like From the treasure Bard sent magic gold to the master of Lake Town and it's like he's he's not gonna use it for the people. Like he very much was just not uh, looking out for the people and just like I thought Bard would you know use the gold to like rebuild Lake Town, not give it to the Lake Master with the intentions. Of rebuilding like Town. So that was like, oh.
0: Yeah. I think that's another thing that's where it's interesting, right? Um, the agreement is to give the gold to Bard and implying it's to give it to the men of Dale and not the men of Edgaroth. But Bard kind of made his claim in the first place for the people of Edgaroth whose town has been destroyed yeah mm-hmm. uh, but politically he basically is saying hey bye i'm not your i'm just giving you charity here which petty politic i love it give it to me it's great um yeah that's, that's all I have to say, I think, in terms of contract and oral promises and uh, legally, legality of, of uh, everything. I have to say, though, I adore the fact that the Elf King gives back Orchrist, because not only does it imply he respects Thorin, Well, like, says he didn't change his face. It implies he had it the whole fucking time. He brought it to the place. He was ready to fight Thorin with his own sword and be like, ha ha ha, I guess where I got that. Like, it's just imagine how petty that was to start with. And then it became a cool thing, but it started as a petty, a very petty thing in my mind. (laughs) It's like, gonna kick those dwarves in the nose with their own freaking swords. Power move. Asshole power move, but power move nonetheless. I'm a bit sad I can't be there next week because I really want to read the chapter in which Bilbo realized that everyone thought he was there. Uh. <laughs> um. I can't read the name Phillies and Killies without like crying inside. It's just so sad. Yes, talking about that. I blame Sophia for all of my feelings. She's a terrible person. If you listen to me, Sophia, it's your fault. (laughs) But anyway, uh, she sent me a fanfic. Um, Last time I had a big paper to write. And uh, as a good job, you finished. And the (laughs) fanfic had had this appear. So Thorin's sister and Philly and Killy's mother I was not ready for that. I was crying in my bed because it was like she... I th- Who was she talking to? Yes, she was talking to Threadwill. Don't ask me how the fanfic made them meet. They met. That's all you have to know. She was talking to Threadwill and Elrond because obviously that's what fanfic do. And she was saying how... She was telling to Elrond how she had had a debt towards him for the longest time because he had like hosted and welcomed his brother and sons and I'm like I'm not okay with that okay but My- I'm so sad right now like to imagine like this having to live with the fact that she lost both of her sons and her eldest brother
1: Oh, yeah because she's, yeah, she's still alive technically like she never died or anything yeah I oh,
0: suppose we know she's still alive at this time so like Dian has an absolute joy to have to write to his cousin and be like hey so we got a treasure but you don't have a family anymore bye like
1: oh that makes it way worse I never even thought of that
0: I'm sorry you have to now <laughs> Um, It was my problem. Like, Sophia made it my problem. I'm making it everyone's problem. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. But, like, I'm very much, like, in pain every time I think of this. And, like, in this chapter, when I was reading that, I was like, yeah. Yeah. Like, the the fact that the, the way they say it, like, that because he was their mother's eldest brother, and that's why they've died to protect him, like... It's like it's it's subtle, but like when suddenly you switch, you're like, wait, that means their mother <laughs> lost so many people. Like, except if like it is, Im- except if they're trying to imply that she died during the dragon attack. But I don't think so because Thorin is the only one who, with uh, ba- Balin, I think or Dwalin, who remembers the dragon attack, and Curly and Philly are very much described as being too young to remember. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Very good fanfic, but um <coughs> very sad. Very cute, but very sad. Um but yeah, since we were talking about like the, the movie adaptation, so that's one of the things I really, really liked that they did. Um that they expanded from like it's literally one line, like not even a full sentence about it, where like they are like sharing the treasure, and they say to the Elven king, they gave the emerald emeralds of Girion such jewels as he must love, and and that's all that's all they say, <laughs> but the movie has a whole backstory for why he loved those jewels, and. It also makes me emotional because I'm aware of emotions, um, and f- fanfics have been written on it, so obviously I noticed it. Uh, <laughs> but like, it's that's that's what I mean by adapting, where you don't have like adapting where the source material does not tell you, not does not give you something satisfying for your media. Like the backstory they gave to Thranduil is a good thing. Like it's none of that like it's barely hinted at in in the book and in the wider legendarium because there's a hint that legolas is like the that the the elven king is thranduil Thranduil, aka legolas dad aka he had a wife but we don't know what happened to her and like there's a mention of the emeralds of gremium and that's basically all that's basically all they could have said. They, he like they could have gone the route of like he loves the emerald of Valyrian because like it's pretty shiny things, but no, they made it something that is emotionally attached to him through his wife. You didn't have to. You, you could have fixed the battle if you could fix Pendrils back. Sorry, I'm sorry. What?
1: Well, like I think too when the um the chapter where, like, the elves were, like, riding the barrel raft to Lake Town. I think they mentioned that, like, the wood elves, because they live in the forest, so they're not producing, like, their own food. They, like, don't really, like, make anything themselves. They just kind of, like, trade and accumulate things. So I think that was, like, something that they mentioned, is that, like, he was like, I don't know, like, lusting after the gems, because it was something he wanted in like in like a trade sense but not like in an emotional sense so i have to agree that i like that aspect mm-hmm. of the movie
0: yeah i mean they also made made sound a little bit more of a prick in in general but you know but
1: they he was also just so good
0: he was so good so good <laughs> So, to anyone who listens to the podcast and who is uh, annoyed by the fangirling, sorry, that's what you get when you don't come to book study to like balance the discourse, okay? <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is gonna be wild. I love it already. Uh- <laughs> um, but yeah, like so much, so much feelings, and they bury Thorin with the Stone because it's a head of Thorin. I mean, they could have also given it to Bilbo, but you know, they had a deal.
1: (laughs) I feel like when I read that, that they buried Thorin with the Arkenstone, I don't know why my first thought was grave robbers trying to get the Arkenstone, because now it's like somewhat more accessible than in a Dragon's Horde. Um...
0: My argument is that they probably birds Thorin right in the middle of Erebor where everyone passed through every day and there's like 3,000 guards all the time. So like, technically easier to get than from under a dragon, practically almost impossible anyway, unless all of Erebor decide to unbury the arcan stone. Um, or that you decide to go from outside Erebor and dig and avoid all of the, like, dwarfs tunnel, and then dig specifically to get from under Thorin's tomb. But, um... Good luck with that one, too. I think. Maybe not. But, yeah. Also, the tragedy of, like, Killie and Philly dying is that they're the only one dying with Thorin. Like, it's, like, ten remained, Except, like, the whole line of the rim. Everything's fine. No problem here. I don't see any dwarf mother just crying in a corner. Like, it's fine. She just lost her whole family.
1: And it was just, like, even more emotional. Because, like, in the context of the book with, like, the twelve, thirteen dwarves, not all of them are, like, personalized. Like, it's literally only... Thorin, Billy Killy, fallen and like Bomber but like Bomber's just fat that's his whole personality so it's l- like literally like four out of all of them like that actually get some personality and the fact that they kill them is just yeah yep yep not okay <laughs> yep
0: that's how you make kids cry to themselves to sleep it's okay. <laughs> it's like, Especially,
1: they were like the youngest ones too. Out of the whole company.
0: I know. I mean like. In in a way that makes sense. Because they would be the least war experienced. And the least experienced in battle. And like in defending themselves. And etc. So it makes sense. And they probably would also be the most hot-headed into like yes we're doing the last 10 that we're gonna die for but still no excuse Thorin no Tolkien sorry <laughs> no excuse for Thorin either but thanks, like, that's another subject uh, <laughs> still no excuse Tolkien you didn't have to rip my head away from my chest like that so yeah constant mourning and and Bilbo says bye to them like he turns to the mountain and says bye to them which is
1: ah! i love i love this goodbye like it says oh come around for tea don't worry about being late because you guys will never be late and it's just like
0: you're welcome anytime to crash my house with an unexpected party <laughs> But yeah, like, it's, I think that's one of the things I really like with Tolkien, like, the last chapters, like, the goodbye chapters are not, like, they're not flown over and ignored, like, the moment of the goodbyes are made, and it's like, it's, I'm gonna gush on like the goodbye feelings um, that I got from uh, watching historical dramas. Um, But it's not a goodbye, like if today you say goodbye to your friend who lives in Ontario or even on the other side of the world. Because it's really like really easy to go on the other side of the world, visit him, right? Like relatively easy. Yes, you need the money, you need the time. Uh, you need to plan your plane uh, and you'll be on a plane for like 24 hours. Sure, but it's only 24 hours, right? Like, like if, you, if you think of like the soldiers who went to, to for World War I, like the Canadian soldiers, it was weeks to go back home. You don't do just a, a nice visit over like the, the holidays for that. No, it's weeks of travel across Canada if you are unlucky enough to be in the West. Uh, <laughs> um even worse if you live in the north, like and then across the ocean and then wherever they are on the front line in in Europe, right? It's a lot of travel. It's long. And it's I think that's one of the things that happens here, right? It's like yes they might visit but like once maybe twice in a lifetime if ever because it's so far away right and it's like yes it's less dangerous because there's less goblins now but it's still dangerous to go across you know it's not like oh i'm just gonna take a walk and go visit bilbo like it's a big deal right and so it's those goodbyes of I hope to see you again, but I'm I'm also ready to never see you ever again, which breaks my heart because it's so sweet but also so sad. And yeah, everything came from uh, me watching a historical drama about a queen of spain and when she has to say goodbye to her daughters getting married off around europe and she knows she'll never see them ever again and it's so sad i'm sorry <laughs> and she actually most of them never see them again and it's super sad i'm sorry
1: well, I, I just like like the fact that you said that like he actually writes out the goodbyes and like he actually addresses it not just like glossing over it and like oh they lived happily ever after it was like just really drawing attention to like all of the hardships that they have been through together
0: yeah yeah like it's it's like even when they, they go back with their health the elf host and like i like they say goodbye at this point with the elf the elf king like it's like you'll always be welcome but you just say that because it's a like and even if you feel like even if you actually believe it it's also sad with this idea that it's probably never gonna happen because well if it
1: does it's gonna be like not like it's not like he can text alron and be like hey can i come over you're gonna like spend weeks on the road and show up not just to get turned away yeah
0: I mean, like, that's also partially where you do the invitation. It's like, no, don't worry. If you rode five weeks through the wood, I will still open my door for you. Don't worry about that. But, um, yeah, it's... I kind of want... I probably won't be there for the book study on Return of the King. But in Return of the King, I had the same feeling when we were, like, reading it. Like, when they, like, they slowly trickle out, like... Aragorn and Arwen still come with them because they're like, we want to make that like as late as possible. But at one point they have to say goodbye, right? And like some of the goodbyes are like, it's a forever goodbye. Like Elrond saying goodbye to his daughter is like, it's literally the last time I see you. I still hope to see you again, but it's most likely never gonna happen. And it's there's beauty in it. That is also so fucking sad. And you see them draw that out as long as possible, right? And, and 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 Tolkien doesn't shy away from writing that. And I really appreciate that because like he doesn't say outright and they never say seen ever like each other again or something. Um, But, you know, he still writes the goodbyes. He still writes those moments where, like, people have to go separate ways and ways that might not ever cross again.